Here are some of the news headlines we're watching. By the time the conference was over, the president won a pledge. So Americans worshiping government over God. An extremely rare safety move by a major... 17 years the Palestinians and Israelis negotiated. This Welcome to In the Market with Janet Parshall. So glad we're going to spend the hour together. Okay, our dear friend Dr. Gary Chapman talks about the four love languages. And we love to find out how we're fearfully and wonderfully made and how we convey the idea of love and how we ourselves in return like to be loved. And then we have wonderful Christian counselors who talk about the four investment styles of people. And apparently, yep, we got one of those too. Some of us scroll it away. Some of us spend like there's no tomorrow. But did you know that there's also something about our relationship styles? And that's what we're going to focus on this hour. We're going to learn about our relationship styles. But the scarlet thread that's going to weave this all together is something known as attachment theory. And that's going to be very crucial to our conversation. You know, when the psalmist cries out that we are fearfully and wonderfully made, I love conversations like this because it reveals, again, the intricacy of who we are. The great God in heaven, who not only hung the stars, but names them by name, is the same God who knows the numbers of hairs on our head. Does that not take a breath, your breath away? If it doesn't, just go look up the word awe, because that really is the response that we should be having. So as we talk about how we interact with other people, among this idea of our own styles and this concept of attachment theory, you're going to discover once again how exactly marvelous our creator is. We're going to have a wonderful teacher. I'm so glad she's back on the program again. I loved her book, The Mr. Rogers Effect. And I am thrilled that she's back again with a brand new book called The Four Relationship Styles, How Attachment Theory Can Help You in Your Search for Lasting Love. Dr. Anita Knight-Kunley is with us. She is Associate Professor of Counseling at Regent and Liberty University, two fabulous schools, from my opinion, by the way. She's worked as head counselor of a faith-based substance abuse facility. She served as a counselor at a women's community center and directed a college counseling center. She speaks for AACC, the American Association of Christian Counselors, at their conferences. And she's also a blogger for the American Counseling Association. So, Anita, it is a joy to have you back again. Thank you for being with us. Coonley has been added to your name since the last time we met. So a whole lot of things have been happening in your life as well. So I'm glad to have you back again. Thanks for being here. Hi, neighbor. Thank you so much for having me, Janet. It's such a pleasure to to be back with you as well. Oh, thank you so much. Well, I loved your book, The Mr. Rogers Effect. So you care about oh. people and interpersonal dynamics. And I absolutely was thrilled to see your writing. You've got some fabulous endorsements, by the way, Dr. Amen, Dr. Oh. Chapman. I mean, there are people who are really affirming the work that you're doing. But I want to start the way you do in the book, too. And it isn't just to throw around a lot of highfalutin words you find in the DSM where you're taking your master's class and getting a degree in counseling. But I think the everyday person like me needs to know things like what is exactly attachment theory. So I think that's a good place to start. Define that for us, please. 
Yes, that's a great point. There's there's so many of these technical terms that we use in the field of psychology and counseling, but they have such broad applications. So attachment theory really explains our relationship dynamics and how we relate to others. And it starts um, what John Bowlby, the father of attachment theory, uh, used to say, from the cradle to the grave, or as John Coonley likes to say, from the womb to the tomb. Uh, <laughs> but it endures throughout the lifespan. And it really informs a lot of how we interact with relationships. If we have a really responsive set of caregivers and all of our needs are met and through many interactions, we learn that our needs will be attended to and we can trust others and they'll be there for us and we can be there for them. Then um, what they call a secure attachment style or what we've referred to in the book as the network or relationship style develops. And if that doesn't quite happen, then uh, God has created us, as you mentioned, that we're fearfully and wonderfully made. And he's created us in such a way that we develop ways uh, of adapting to our circumstances and environment. And specifically, they found out three other styles that can adapt uh, given those circumstances. Wow. Well, you led us exactly where we needed to go. So before I go to those three other styles, let me just talk for a minute. When you talk about attachment, you know, for every action, there's an equal and opposite reaction. I realize that is part of Newton's law of physics, but it also works in human dynamics as well. So if there's attachment, there must be, therefore, detachment. What does that look like? Mm. Yeah, you know, sometimes uh, when people are, are going through those early experiences, their, their interpersonal history, there is some abuse, neglect, um, loss. And so in those situations, uh, oftentimes people develop a high level of anxiety, high level of avoidance. Um, especially if there's a lot of abuse, they can disconnect and even become uh, disconnected from themselves, disconnected from their own emotions. And uh, they can use deactivation strategies to an extreme where they try to ramp down the negative emotions to such an extent that they uh, become disconnected, even dissociated in some cases. Wow. Anita, is there a way for one to become self-aware in terms of where they stand on this attachment theory? Because oftentimes, and you know this far better than any of us, that we bury, we suppress, we look the other way, we put it in a box and hide it, hoping it'll go away in time. And therefore, personal assessment becomes difficult because we're practicing overt avoidance. How does one mm -hmm. do their own personal introspective study on whether or not they are a person with healthy attachments? That's going to foreshadow in our conversation about relationships or whether or not they really have some brokenness as a result of detachment. Yes, I love that phrase that you use, that uh, self-awareness, because when it comes to whether we're high functioning or lower functioning within any of the four relationship styles, self-awareness is really one of those game changers that can make a difference. The more self-aware we are, the more we can uh, deal better with the different challenges and, and strengths that we have. So one great place to start in terms of raising that self-awareness is to take the quiz Um there's uh, a free quiz online that you can take if you go to uh, com and click on the book. Um, there is a mini version of the test and you can find out what your relationship style uh, might be or what you might resemble. And then there's a, a, a longer version in the text. And that's a good starting point to find out what your style may be. I, I just love it when people make themselves available and they put out tools that can help us as well. And by the way, I've already got that website linked on my information page, dranitacoonley.com. Very easy to remember. 
But we are going to talk with Dr. Anita Knight-Kunley, that's the official name, Associate Prof of Counseling at both Region and Liberty University, about her brand new book, The Four Relationship Styles. And I bet you're already wondering, what are they and which one am I? So I'm glad we're having this conversation and why I'm glad you're a part of it back after this. What do Christians really believe? What do we stand for? Do we know the essentials of our faith? That's why I've chosen I Believe as this month's truth tool. Know what you believe and how to convey the truth of God's word to a hurting culture. As for your copy of I Believe when you give a gift of any amount to In the Market. Call 877-JANET-58, that's 877-JANET-58, or go to inthemarketwithjanetpartial.org. We are visiting with Dr. Anita Knight-Kunley, who is Associate Professor of Counseling at both Regent and Liberty University. Wonderful author, by the way. Fabulous website. You can do classes online. Just check it out. There's a ton of information there. Very, very user-friendly. And the link is right there on our information page. I say it, but don't write it down because you might be driving and I want you to get home safe. DrAnitaCoonley.com. But she joins us today with her new book, The Four Relationship Styles, How Attachment Theory Can Help You in Your Search for Lasting Love. So that raises, I think, an important question. And I like starting at the 35,000-foot level before we get down to terra firma. So if somebody's listening right now and they go, well, who cares? Why do I need to identify my relationship style? And you point out in the book that predicting relationship outcomes is, in fact, important. Tell me why and how. Great question. Thank you so much, Janet. Um, I think, you know, when it comes to relationship research, we have seen that uh, some researchers have found that there's it's possible to be over 90% accurate when predicting whether a relationship will be successful or will fail. And one of those key predictors is whether people tend to move towards connection or move away from connection, especially during times of distress. And that is uh, determined by what your relationship style is. And so um, it's helpful to be able to know whether we're likely to be successful or likely to struggle in relationships and to have a navigation tool that, that lets us know which direction uh, to move in. Also, uh, you know, what's been really interesting about the attachment research is that they've been able to predict from one generation to the next based on uh, interviews with pregnant mothers uh, looking at their relationship style or attachment style and how they interact. They've been able to predict how their unborn children would behave Mm. in what they call the strange situation, which is where they would take babies into a nursery and they would pay close attention to what these children did uh, when their mothers uh, left the nursery but even closer attention to reunion behaviors, what the mothers did when they returned to the nursery and how the children uh, interacted with the parents. And they were able to develop several different styles. And that was predicted by their mother's style before they were even born. So (laughs) pretty impressive when it comes to uh, predictive statistics. Well, it's stunning. So that makes me ask this question. So in your world, there's a lot of conversation about nurture versus nature. So mm-hmm. there, it almost sounds like there's a predisposition there, but is our relationship style, and this is where the attachment theory I'm sure must come in, but is our relationship style predicated on 
how we were, I'll put it in common parlance, how we were raised. So in other words, you talked about mothers and childs. So the way we're fingerprinted growing up either makes us open up, respond to people or pull back, keep in, don't show our emotions. Or, and I ask that because every time we have these kinds of conversations, Nina, people start doing a look in the mirror going, well, mm-hmm. you don't know my mom, you don't know my dad. And we <laughs> right. are, you know, the old adage, the apple doesn't fall far from the tree. So from yes. your vantage point, is it nurture, is it nature, or is it a combination of both? Yeah, I think I think you're right. I think it's a combination of both because uh, one of the things that happens is is these children tend to mirror the attachment style of their parents. However, mm. the great news is that you're not stuck with the attachment style, relationship style you have. You can make it better. You can become more high functioning, more secure as you go on. Um, but on the other hand, also the challenge is that if you encounter abuse or loss, you could also um, experience greater challenges in your style. So it's not fixed. It's one of those things that the more we learn about the brain and um, human uh, research and relationship research, the more we find that this is more fluid and flexible. Wow. That's fascinating. By the way, just as a quick side note, this is why these kinds of conversations are so important. I'm not going to identify the streaming platform on which this airs, but I'm absolutely fascinated by people. And I'm also saddened that we've made such a mockery of God's covenant marriage model that we just trample it underfoot in a thousand ways. Either we radically redefine it, we make it disposable, we have test runs, you try it. But when you have a program that you put out and you decide to say that we're going to put couples together who've never met before, but on their wedding day, And then we're going to track them for eight weeks to see whether or not they're going to stay married or get divorced. It's like, what part of pulling a hand out of the pin out of a hand grenade do you not get? All of your understanding about personal dynamics, you're going to find out after you say I do. So this leads me to, again, a common practical application for our conversation. If you're at all interested in your search for lasting love, which is part of your subtitle, This is, it seemed to me, this is not an option. This is a mandate for something to do, to explore, to investigate before you get serious in a relationship that you want to be lifelong. Am I off on that? No, you are absolutely right. I, in uh, this would be an excellent part of any premarital curriculum to say, okay, let's read this book together, or you know, each individually, but then come together. It's best to take the style, uh, excuse me, the styles quiz by yourself, so you can really be honest about what your style is. There's some very vulnerable questions about. Uh, if you ever worry that uh, you might be unlovable, or that your partner may not love you, or you ever worry about losing your partner. Um, it's denial heals nothing. So it's best to be honest with those things. But if you can identify what your style is, and then each one has many adaptive strengths and also some challenges, and then you can come together and find out what your partner's style is and how these fit together. There's a couple styles that are attracted to one another, sometimes for all the wrong reasons. And there's, there's some that can work together well. And one of the challenges is that often we love each other very much, but we don't always love each other very well. Mm, And part of learning your relationship style is to learn to love well. 
I love that. That's such an important point. So let me do this. When we come back after the break, and I'm going to take a break right now, would you tell us what the four styles are and then tell us some of the strengths and some of the challenges that are found in each category? Because I have a funny feeling our friends listening all across the country have just leaned a little closer to the radio because now they want to know exactly what their style is. And by the way, somewhere in this conversation, Anita, if I forget to ask, please come back and fold in the answer to this question. What if you are married, you've been married 10, 15 years, and you go, oh, my, uh, my relationship style couldn't be more dramatically different than that person I've been married to for 15 years. Now what do I do? So somewhere in the milieu of our conversation, I think it's important not just for people who are starting out on this journey, but people who have been married going, well, is this the problem? And do I call it quits? Because our relationship styles are so different. Lots to discuss. You know, and I can tell you right now that an hour is already not enough time for this. So you're just going to have to get the book. It's called The Four Relationship Styles by our guest, Dr. Anita Knight-Coonley. Back after this. The Four Relationship Styles, How Attachment Theory Can Help You in Your Search for Lasting Love. That's a new book by Dr. Anita Knight-Coonley who's Associate Professor of Counseling at both Regent University and Liberty University. She's also the author of The Mr. Rogers Effect. And when you go to her website, you realize what an impact Mr. Rogers had on her life and the way in which he interacted with children and how very much she wants to continue that legacy. And I'm so grateful for that. So now let's go to the real core, which are the four relationship styles. I turn it over to you, Anita. If you'll define what each one of those are, and at the same time, if you tell us what the strengths and some of the challenges are inherently with each style. Thank you so much, Janet. Well, um, I guess we'll start with the firefighter style. And uh, in attachment theory, in the academic literature, sometimes you hear this called the fearful avoidance style. But in the four relationship styles, we really try to look at this uh, from a positive adaptive perspective in terms of Mm. what are the the strengths of each style, which is one of the things you asked, what are the strengths? And for the firefighter, um, they're also sometimes referred to as unresolved for loss or unresolved for abuse. And in this case, um, one of the strengths are their overcomers. They have learned to overcome. And as we know from a biblical basis, when we go through suffering, when we go through trials, this develops in us, um, can develop in us uh, patience, perseverance, endurance, which leads to character, uh, strength of character, and confident hope. Um, and so um, a high-functioning firefighter can really develop a depth and strength of character that can be rare to come by for those who haven't gone through uh, suffering uh, of the Mm -hmm. same level and the same type. Um, So there is that fruit of loss and Mm -hmm. of abuse that that comes out of of the pain and that uh, at a high functioning or high self-awareness in terms of levels of high self-awareness, as you mentioned earlier, um, they're able to really look at how can I grow from my suffering? How can I uh, find purpose in the painful experiences? Um, there's also some flexibility for the firefighters. They tend to resemble all three of the other styles at certain times. They don't have a real structured, specific approach to dealing with uh, stress and and, in relationships when they're under stress. So they might um, resemble some of the other styles at various times. Mm. Um, So they have some flexibility and um, that's sort of uh, overcoming uh, character at 
when they're lower functioning, some of the challenges can be when, when their interpersonal stressors become overwhelming, they can be, uh, can have struggle with high levels of anxiety and high levels of avoidance. They can sometimes be hot and cold in relationships. Uh, sometimes they might want to get really close and then other times uh, push away. Uh, in sort of inconsistent ways, so it's hard to know what to expect from them at times. And they can also be quicker because of uh, their past experiences, perhaps with trauma or loss. It can be um, easier for them to go into a state of fight or flight uh, where the the lower parts of the brain are activated, the brain stem, and it's harder for them to shift gears to kind of regulate and manage those emotions and come back to a goal-oriented, calm, peaceful place. Uh, it could take them a little bit longer than some of the other styles um, it, when they're kind of lower in their levels of functioning and self-awareness. Um, that can be one of the challenges that the firefighter faces. Hmm. I love the way you're approaching this, Anita, because uh, if someone listening right now, and my guess it isn't to someone, it is scores and scores of people who have been hurt, have been abused, who have suffered loss, and they're convinced that that pain marks them and defines and molds them for the rest of their life. But you, without saying it, really referenced Hebrews when you were talking about what suffering can produce in our lives, which ultimately ends in hope and hope never fails. So I thank you for that. And you're also not saying this is it. This is how you enter the world. You're never going to change. So I'm just going to identify the four and live with it. You're not saying that at all. And I want to really underscore that for our friends that if someone's going, Ooh, wow. Yeah. That pretty much defines how I interact with people. If you want to improve that, what you're saying through the work that you do and what you've written in your book, The Four Relationship Styles, is you can change. And that is a story of hope I want to make sure our listeners hear. So after the firefighter, there's the investigator. Yes. Talk to me about the investigator. Okay, yes. And thank you for just underscoring that powerful message of hope that you're not stuck with the style you have. You can make it better as you continue on your path to self-awareness and mm -hmm. applying tools uh, that we talk about that you can make progress. You can decrease levels of anxiety, decrease levels of avoidance, and increase comfort with closeness. And essentially those three items uh, help us move more towards uh, secure, um, positive relationships. So the investigator you asked about next, um, the investigator tends to have um, a keen sense of observation. And by the way, we're using these, these job metaphors because they paint a great picture. Um, and Janet, as you mentioned with the firefighter, you know, some people have been hurt. They've literally walked through fires of loss and abuse and suffering. They had to, like firefighters who have to go into the fire to, to move towards uh, people that they need to save or, or connect with. Um, firefighters have had to do that through their relationships in order to connect. They've had to walk through some fires. They've been burned. Likewise, investigators, um, they tend to be really good at looking for clues. So with investigators, one of the hallmarks of their early relationships or interpersonal experiences is that uh, the only one consistent thing they could count on was inconsistency, mm. right? they didn't know what to expect from their caregivers. Sometimes they would be loving and kind and caring, and other times uh, they might be um, neglecting or angry or um, treat them in a, in a different manner. So they develop keen observational skills to be able to assess and uh, try to stay attuned to others' emotions to predict what they might experience. Wow, and I know you hear the music because you're a pro. So when we come back, I want to talk about some of the blessings and some of the challenges inherent in The Investigator. By the way, Anita goes into all of this in much greater detail in her book. But if this has got you thinking, 
and probing yourself, by the way, then we will have been successful in this conversation. Her new book is called The Four Relationship Styles, subtitled How Attachment Theory Can Help You in Your Search for Lasting Love. She's a professor of counseling at both Regent and Liberty Universities. Back after this. Jesus told us to go into the world and not run away from it, and he didn't say it would be easy. In the Market with Janet Partial is a program designed to come alongside and walk with you into the marketplace of ideas. Partial partners are those friends who support our program on a regular monthly basis. They know the mandate of influencing and occupying until he comes, so why don't you become part of the inner circle of support? Call 877-JANET-58 or go to inthemarketwithjanetpartial.org. We are having a wonderful conversation with Dr. Anita Knight Coonley, who's Associate Professor of Counseling at both Regent University and Liberty University. She wrote the book, The Mr. Rogers Effect. You can go back through our arsenal of audio and listen to that. It's a fabulous book, by the way. I've got a link to Anita's website where she has a ton of information to really help you learn more about how we're put together in terms of our emotional, our mental life. And she a brand new book is called The Four Relationship Styles. But she didn't know you had one, but you do. And the subtitle says, How Attachment Theory Can Help You in Your Search for Lasting Love. Now, Anita, as someone who speaks frequently for AACC and blogs for the American Counseling Association, I have to ask this. Um, Christians who struggle with the idea that Anything that deals with the way in which our mind and our emotions are put together must necessarily, by default, be anti-biblical. So I'm going to ask you a real rudimentary question halfway through this conversation. So I used the term earlier about doing some introspective understanding of who we are. Does that make us self-centered, sinful people when we do that? Because after all, the Bible says we're supposed to, quote, deny ourselves, take up our cross, and follow him. So anytime someone talks from a bibliocentric perspective, whom God has equipped and called into the world of mental health, and we have these kinds of terms, it's immediately assumed to be an either-or proposition as opposed to a both-and. So talk to me about that. You're right. There's so many biases when it comes to these things. Um, and, uh, you know, I believe that all truth is God's truth. And mm. so... Uh, God allows us to uh, learn and understand more about ourselves so that we can um, be able to love one another better. You know, I remember talking with Ev Worthington, who is um, uh, a Christian therapist. He was based out of Virginia Commonwealth University, and he did a lot of research on the hope-focused approach. And uh, I remember he walked through some difficult things. I believe his mother was murdered and he started really uh, doing research and praying on forgiveness. And uh, as I was talking with him about his research, you know, he said, you know, I really believe that Christians and especially mental health should research the virtues of faith, hope and love. And, you know, one of the things that uh, Mary Ainsworth, uh, a key player in, in attachment research uh, and John Bowlby's research partner, uh, said was that attachment research or relationship science research is really the scientific study of love. Mm. And so, um, you know, we, we know that, you know, faith, hope and love are such important virtues to seek to understand and apply in and through our own lives. And, um if understanding our attachment style and relationship style can help us to uh, love our neighbors as we love ourselves and, and really uh, be able to understand ourselves, communicate our needs, and be able to understand and uh, give them tools to communicate their needs better, then I think that uh, you know these tools that can help us love better, can help us fulfill 
uh, what God has called us to do. Amen. What a wonderful answer. Thank you for that. So we've talked about the firefighter as one style, and you were talking about the investigator. And we got to the point, this was a keen sense of observation that you said. So talk to me about some of the strengths and some of the challenges inherent with this particular relationship style. Yes, that's right. We talked about that keen sense of observation because as they were growing up, they experienced such inconsistency and they didn't know uh, what, what to expect from their caregivers. So they learned to really sort of investigate and look for those clues about what they could expect. So they tend to be very attuned to other people's emotions. Um, sometimes almost like a chameleon, they can adapt to whatever is expected of them. And uh, they tend to uh, really highly value relationships. And um, they also have a very clear strategy for dealing uh, with stress and dealing with relationships. And that is hyperactivation. They tend to get more riled up. They tend to take more action. Um, in terms of challenges, they can sometimes be very high in anxiety. Uh, they can get more overwhelmed by emotion. They can sometimes um, get tangled up in their emotions and maybe communicate them in ways that are harder for other people to be receptive to. Mm. Um, you can almost feel anxiety emanate from them when they get highly anxious. And so that can be a bit harder uh, for other people and in, in relationships with them to manage at times. But the high-functioning investigator uh, can become more and more aware of this and aware of the different triggers that they experience and can, can begin to manage that better. Wow, wonderful. So the security guard. So for the security guard, um, just like a security guard who may be uh, sort of standing with an outstretched arm, uh, defending the perimeter of an estate, saying, get back, uh, don't come any closer, uh, guarding that perimeter. Uh, the security guard, when it comes to uh, the relationship style, tends to be very guarded. They highly value their independence, so they tend to work well on a team. They can be um, uh, independent. They'll, they'll do their share of the work. They're, they're happy to um, troubleshoot on their own. Uh, they also tend to be very concise and they have a very clear strategy for dealing with relationships. And that is uh, sort of the opposite of the investigator. They tend to deactivate. They tend to minimize relationship, minimize needing, missing, or valuing. They tend to move away from connection. Mm. And so on the other hand, when they struggle or, or lower functioning or, or overwhelmed, they can be very disconnected. Um, and by the way, one of the things that we've learned through the research is that the same way we deal with relationships is the same way we deal with emotions. So mm -hmm. if we tend to deactivate um, in relationships and minimize relationships, we also tend to minimize those emotions that we feel uh, in relationships. And so they can become disconnected even from themselves and their own emotions, disconnected from others. They can become uh, isolated and they can tend to minimize um, their, the role of relationships in their lives uh, to, to a point that can become detrimental mm. if left unchecked. Wow. You know, fascinating. When you talked about some of the causal factors for the firefighter, we were talking about unresolved uh, for loss and abuse. You talked about the investigator mm -hmm. because the caregiver is sometimes hot, sometimes cold. So if you look at the security guard, what does the research tell us about how someone adopts that or develops that relationship style? Are there causal factors identified for this as well? 
Yes, early in their uh, interpersonal history, the security guard has often experienced a great deal of rejection, some kind of pushing away. And this, it's important to note that this happens pretty much in every relationship. There's there's some of this. Um, it might be, a, oh, go outside and play, go to your room, go do your homework, go, you know, in anyone's relationship history or their history with their caregivers, they may have experienced some of that. But for the security guard, that became almost their primary uh, way of interacting, that they were always sort of being pushed away. So eventually they learned to turn away themselves. And so instead of turning towards relationships during times of need, they might turn towards a hobby. Uh, they might become collectors. They might turn towards a sport or uh, another activity. Hmm. And so yep. they develop this independence. They often develop a lot of interest. Please go ahead. I didn't mean to interrupt you, Anita. Develop a lot of interest. Develop, they can develop a lot of interest and really develop a high level of competency in certain areas as they as they uh, participate in activities independently. Hmm. Wow, absolutely fascinating. So the last one is the networker. Describe this kind of personality or rather relationship style. Yes. And I really appreciate you distinguishing between the personality and relationship style because there is um, definitely a, a, a big difference between the two. And a lot of people actually uh, get confused because they think that, you know, an attachment style is the same as, as personality. But one thing that's different is that your attachment style is activated. It's, it's part of the attachment behavioral system, which is activated when we get um, under stress or when we get triggered. And so a person might be really extroverted, uh, but when they get distressed, they might pull back and have more of a security guard tendency. So the networker, kind of like the business networker that is uh, excellent at collaboration, they're master connectors, they're able to uh, talk with people and explore a range of topics. Um, they, when they're under stress, they tend to move towards their relationship partners. And in romantic relationships, one thing that's different is that we take turns being a safe haven and secure base for one another. Um, or if they're not in a, in a romantic relationships, perhaps they have a close friend or network of friends that are their attachment figures, and they're very comfortable uh, asking for help and support, um, at, uh, receiving help and support. They are able to, uh, they're very comfortable with their emotions, and they're able to communicate those emotions in ways that others can uh, understand and connect with, so they can connect with others emotionally and um you know, they are very flexible as well, um, and they have a very clear method for dealing with relationship challenges, and that is to move toward. Forward. Oh, that's absolutely fascinating. So I'm listening as you're talking about this, and given the fact that you have an endorsement from Dr. Gary Chapman, um, he must validate very much the science and your approach toward this. But what is the intersection, if there is any, between our love languages and our relationship style? Oh, I love that question. <laughs> yeah, because when we think about the, the different love languages, um, you know, with love languages, this is maybe how we're comfortable giving and receiving love. So if our love language is a physical touch or acts of service, that may be how we 
uh, feel comfortable giving and receiving love. But when we're under stress, that's where our attachment behavioral system is mm -hmm. activated. And this is how we um, move towards or away from relationships during times of distress. Wow, that is such a great answer. This hour has gone far too quickly, but I have one more segment. and I'm so grateful for that. But can I suffice it to say that Anita, out of deference to time, just is giving you the working definition of these four personality, rather relationship styles. Relation, I'm going to underscore that. Not personality. She just gave a beautiful explanation of that relationship style. But there's a ton more in the book. And there's a place you can go on the website to start to do some thinking about this. More with Anita right after this. Dr. Anita knight Cunley is with us, Associate Professor of Counseling at both Regent University and Liberty University, speaks often for the American Association of Christian Counselors, a wonderful blogger and a terrific author as well. We're discussing her latest book, The Four Relationship Styles, How Attachment Theory Can Help You in Your Search for Lasting Love. So let me go back to the question I knew I needed to ask because I'll probably get emails if I don't ask you and get an answer, which is, so we've gone over these four different styles, which are absolutely fascinating very much predicated on life experience, the firefighter, the investigator, the security guard, and the networker. And now you've been married 15 years, and you're realizing that you're an investigator married to a firefighter, and you're wondering why there's a sense of loss of intimacy, not deep heart-soul mate talk. Um, you talk and share your emotions. He does not. All of these things where you're thinking, we've just, quote, fallen out of love with each other, when in fact it just might be your relationship style. So, what do you say to people when they suddenly do this investigation and they've discovered who they are and how life has helped to mold and shape the way in which they have interpersonal dynamics? But the most important dynamic on earth is their relationship with their spouse. And it's like, uh-oh, did we make a mistake here? So how do you tell people whose approaches are so different and who have not gotten to the point where they are tapping into the benefits of this particular style, but rather they're struggling with some of the challenges and the future looks dark? What do you say? Mm. Well, first of all, that's an excellent first step because being willing to face the reality, being willing to take a look inward, take a look at the relationship, um, ask the hard questions uh, is so helpful because as we know, denial heals nothing. So beginning to create more and more awareness is really helpful. And one of the, the things we see in the research is that self-compassion, people that did, uh, I started recording self-compassion exercises for my students, because mm. one of the things that we found in our research was that as people's capacity for self-compassion and self-kindness and to speak kindly towards themselves, as that increased, their anxiety about their relationships tended to decrease and they tended to be more comfortable in their relationships and uh, be more able to connect. And so being able to be compassionate towards yourself also helps you to extend that compassion to your spouse or partner or uh, whoever you may be in that relationship with. If it's a friend, a coworker, you know, attachment applies to to all of our relationships. And, you know, that, that sense of self-compassion can really be helpful. So the idea is that um, even if, as you mentioned, the investigator, the firefighter get together and they, they find that they're experiencing a lot of fires in the relationship, it can be helpful to t uh, step back and take a look at the strategies that are being used. 
And for each of the different, the four styles, the pathway and the journey towards greater levels of security is going to look a little bit different. And so uh, let's say for an investigator, because they may tend to get overwhelmed by emotion, some of the strategies they use may be to begin to manage emotion, maybe distinguish between uh, interpretations and emotions, um, be able to label the intensity of an emotion um, and, and, and try to identify it in the body, you know, or early when it starts. Uh, you know, if people can identify anger, like maybe they have a tension in the chest before it gets to the point of rage and is overwhelming, then it's easier to manage. But sometimes, as you mentioned earlier, people can be detached or disconnected and not really be in touch with an emotion until it's overwhelming. And then when it comes out in an explosive way, it can be detrimental in relationships and, and to the person themselves. Mm, wow. Fabulous. Absolutely fabulous. Let me, two questions that come to mind. Number one, I'm going to bring this up again because I do think this is part of the stigma that has to be eradicated in the church in particular. Uh, the idea of self-compassion. The world will swallow that up in a in a moment. They don't have any problems with mm -hmm. that. The church, however, thinks that anytime the word self precedes any other word, it has to be wrong because we're mm -hmm. we're denying ourselves. We're um, trying to make sure that we, we, many of us grew up with the idea that joy stands for Jesus, others yourself, that you're always the last part of this equation. But then I mm -hmm. think of Jesus who said, I'm taking a nap. Now, if that isn't a form <laughs> of self-care, and, and he didn't care that it was a little stormy on the sea at Galilee, he was taking a nap. Or when he was asked to go into a village and he said no, or he went to Bethany to rest. If that isn't a picture of self-care, if my Savior can do that, I'm I'm given permission to do it. But the problem is, I think we blow it out of proportion and think that self-care means I'm not cooking tonight and you're doing the dishes and going upstairs and slamming the bedroom door. Can you flesh mm. that out just a little bit? I think removing the stigma is with wisdom and knowledge. What does that look like? What do you mean by that in the practical? You know, that, that's a great point. And I, I think, you know, we can feel guilty about, you know, taking care of ourselves when there's so many other things to do. And you hear all these things in, in mental health about, you know, put on your own oxygen mask first, or you can't pour uh, from an empty cup. But mm. thinking about Jesus, you know, and him saying, you know, one of the greatest commandments, you love your neighbor as yourself. Well, there's sort of this implied message there that you do love yourself. And, and for some of us who don't treat ourselves very well, if we treated our neighbors as we treat treat ourselves, mm -hmm. then, then that wouldn't be very helpful. So mm -hmm. um, understanding to be kind to ourselves. I mean, it's interesting in the empathy research that we've been doing, one of the things that we've uncovered is that um, if you're able to extend empathy and compassion to yourself, that's the same sort of pull of empathy and compassion you draw from to extend it to your neighbor. Excellent. So eventually the way we, we treat ourselves, well, that will come out in our intimate relationships and we'll treat others in that, in that same way. So if we can try to cultivate that kindness, even in the, the relationship that we have with ourselves, I think that can, that can really make a difference. Oh, I think that's a brilliant response. Anita, I've got 30 seconds left. You end the book by pointing out that really, if I could define all of this in one word, it's the word love, and that sometimes mm -hmm. there's pain associated with love. Is it worth discovering your style so that you can understand the concept of love, not as you know, all the different kinds of loves there are, but part of this relationship style 
really is the foundation of the way in which we love. Am I right or wrong on that? Yes, that's that's a fabulous way to put it, Janet. I really appreciate that um, because the the cry of the networker and, and the secure relationship style is this idea that it's better to have loved and lost than never to have loved at all. Um, so really learning to love and to love well and, and understand the value of love is, is so central. And, and that's the message of the gospel. So that's why this is such a crucial conversation. Anita, there's so much more there. I literally feel like I've just skated on the surface, but I can remind my friends that when you get the book, The Four Relationship Styles, you're going to learn more. By the way, again, I have a link to Anita's website, and she gives you the opportunity to start this journey of self-assessment, of finding out something about your attachment theory, <clears throat> excuse me, which is inexorably connected to your relationship style. As we've talked about the firefighter, the investigator, the security guard, and the networker, are you asking yourself, which am I? Good. Start that journey and get those answers. Anita, thank you so much. And thank you, friends. We'll see you next time.